0: Well, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We are in the book of Daniel in chapter 6. We'll be coming to an end of chapter 6, where I was last week beginning the first part of the famous story of Daniel and the lion's den. Now, a couple things I want to say before I read this part. Daniel has been obedient to his God, not breaking the first command. King Darius had made a decree that you could only pray to him, the king, for 30 days. Daniel never once compromised. That's the first miracle of the story. He wasn't willing. He just simply did what he continued to do. Now, those who were setting Daniel up, those who wanted him out of office, have come to King Darius. And King Darius sees the trap that he's in. He's in a helpless situation. This is where the story picks up just as Daniel has moved into the lion's den. Verse 14, Daniel 6. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded... And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And his stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him. And sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, or break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Most of us have come to this story as children, probably a flannel graph, something that was showing the picture of this miracle of Daniel not being mauled to death by lions, really calling us to see the inspiration of what God did. But it's easy to forget how powerful the story really is, maybe even to forget that it really happened. It's also easy to see things that aren't there. For example, most of us probably think of Daniel as a young man when this took place. He wasn't. He was in his mid-80s. He had already been in this place away from home for seven decades. He had favor in the eyes of King Darius. It's notable that the narrator doesn't say anything to us while Daniel is in the lion's den, about Daniel's experience. And I think that's on purpose. That being said, a very appropriate title for this section of scripture would be Darius and the lion's den. Because the narrator spends a lot of time talking about Darius's experience. What I want to do this morning for a few minutes is unpack Darius's experience. I want to do so by looking at three headings, helplessness, hope, and being a herald. Darius is someone that we relate to. And when we're studying scripture, as we're prepping a lesson or a sermon, we're asking this question, what do we have in common with those two or four or about whom the passage is written that requires the grace of the passage? And in this story, it's easy to relate to Daniel to think of our own lion's dens, the own experiences that we're having, and not even reflect upon Darius. Darius favored Daniel. Daniel was about to become the second in charge of this nation. So what happens to Darius in this experience is very powerful. The first thing you'll notice is Darius is helpless. Look with me at verse 14. The king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Darius did not want Daniel to experience the lion's den because he knew, because he had put people there before, what would happen, that immediately he would be devoured. He cared for Daniel. He respected Daniel. But he was naive, and he had been set up by those who were also, longing for that power. And as they moved, knowing what Daniel's reputation was towards this accusation, using Daniel's faithfulness against himself, the king was stuck. These men, it says in verse 15, came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. He's helpless. This is important. The narrator of Daniel is not simply trying to show the majesty and power of God. He's also seeking to teach the people of God lessons. And one lesson is this, that no, no matter how powerful a man is, no matter how much power he's been given, no matter how much dominion he has, do not put your trust in man. It's really a reflection of Psalm 146:3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation, no rescue. Daniel's hope is not in Darius. Darius, though, is the one the narrator is showing us is helpless. He says nothing about Daniel's emotional account right here. Darius, however, he reveals his helplessness. He's doing everything he can. He labored till the sun went down to rescue Daniel from this situation. But he couldn't. So in verse 16, it says that Darius the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. He's helpless. But Darius is not without hope. We see his hope in two places. The first is in verse 16. The second part says, The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. If you don't read this closely, you think that it's a question. May your God deliver you. The ESV translation, which we use here, isn't as strong as the New American Standard or the King James Version. Both of these reference Darius saying, your God will rescue you. Now the reason this is important because it's unpacking the Aramaic language, which is what this is written in. This is not a wish that Darius has. It is an affirmation. And we know because in Aramaic, the emphatic pronoun and the final verb are clearly a declaration. Darius is saying, Your God will rescue you. We also know that Darius had hope because if he had no hope, he wouldn't have risen early in the morning when the sun went up and went hastily to the den. He would have known every time I've put someone in the lion's den before and we know he has and we know he will, they've died. But he races this time to this dungeon, this den of lions. And then he speaks. Darius had hope. But his hope was not a perfect hope. His hope was with, not without anxiety. We see it. Listen to what happens. Verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep f- fled from him. That Verse says a lot about humanity. When we find ourselves this side of heaven in helpless situations, when we know even though we are Christians and we should have hope, there are restless nights, aren't there? Aren't there nights when you feel the helplessness of making your own child love the Lord? Helplessness in a marriage that's not going well. Helplessness in the inability to convince someone of something that's so clearly true. We all feel helpless. We all experience nights where there's little sleep. I love the way the narrator describes Darius. The king went to his palace while Daniel was in the dungeon, the lion's den. The king would normally feast and have diversions, which means entertainment brought to him. He rejected both. In fact, it says the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. But so did the lions. Isn't that awesome? God's word. We don't know what it was like for Daniel. We have no word or account of what he's experiencing in the lion's den. But we have a lot about Darius. Darius was helpless. He had hope. And then his hope was realized. It's not always the case, though. That's why today we remember the persecuted church. There are those that God doesn't rescue this way. It's not his will. But in this case, it it was. This is pointing to a much greater rescue that's coming. Verse 19, the hope is realized. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. I want to picture that in my mind of what it looked like to see Darius the king racing to the den of lions. Verse 20, as he came near... He cried out in a tone of anguish. That shows you the love he had for Daniel. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? We finally hear Daniel. And Daniel says, O king, live forever. This has never happened. Darius has never heard someone or seen someone alive that was placed in this dungeon. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. So now what does... Darius do. the one who's helpless, the one who had hope, at least a little, now becomes a herald. He becomes a voice that speaks into his domain, his royal reign, his royal dominion about the living God. This part is not printed in your bulletin. So I just want you to listen to it as the people at this time would have heard it. This is what King Darius said. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Now, this is the same man who had just made a decree that for 30 days you can only pray to me. Here's the new decree. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. Now listen to this. He, the living God, delivers and rescues what Darius was unable to do. What we are unable to do, God's not unable to do. He has the ability. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius In the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Darius was helpless, and so are we. Darius had hope, and so do we. And Darius became a herald to proclaim this truth. Here's what's amazing. His dominion was great, though we see his power was limited. You and I have been given dominion as well. There are places where God has placed you. A street you live on, an apartment you live in. There are places you go to work that I will never see. There are places where you eat and shop. Places where you recreate. And around you are going to be people that don't know the good news of Christ. And God has given us the privilege of being his heralds to proclaim the truth about who he is. And this is what this whole story is pointing to. Because there was another time that would come centuries later where there would be another man who was seeking essentially to release another who had been brought up really on false charges. His name was Pilate and he was seeking to wash his hands of what they wanted to happen to Jesus. He felt helpless. Jesus, though, was there to fulfill the mission of which all of this is pointing to. And there Christ, not a prince, not a lowercase s son of man that we could put our hope in, but the son of man, the only righteous man, is going to be nailed to the cross taking on the sin, my sin, your sin, the sin of all his children. He's falsely accused. He's done no wrong. But he will go to the cross, and on the cross, he will speak these words. It is finished, and he will die. Then his body will be placed, not alive, but dead, in a tomb. And a rock will be moved in front. And the leader's seal, his signet, will be placed there as well. But inside that tomb, Jesus is alone. There is no angel. And he is suffering the separation of his father. He's suffering the weight of what he's died for. Your sin and mine and the sin of all his children. But Christ fulfilling the plan of redemption from the beginning of time has come to conquer death. And as he does, the tomb is opened and our Lord has risen. He's alive. Daniel came out of the den alone. Christ, though, comes out of the tomb leading all of his people for all time who have trusted in him so that we who are in Christ, though we will die physically, we will not ultimately remain separated. We too will rise as he has. This God is the only one who can save us so that when Darius said, he, the living God, delivers and rescues, he had no idea. That God was using him to point to a greater day, a greater miracle, a greater miracle than lions' mouths being kept shut, a miracle where the wrath of God, the Father that you and I deserved, was kept from us as it was poured out on Him. When it comes to sin, We are helpless. Because we are helpless, the Father sent His own Son, demonstrating His own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The mission, then, that He gave us and the privilege He gave us is to be His heralds, to go forth and proclaim this great news. The subjects of King Darius heard what he said about the living God. That his kingdom shall never be destroyed. If you are part of his kingdom, if you've trusted and received Christ, then that promise is for you. The reason we come to the table today and partake of these elements is because he knew we needed it. It's a reminder of what Christ has done and what he's promised to do. The table that we come to is a table for the people of God. It is not a Presbyterian table, but it is for those who've trusted in Jesus and received him alone for their salvation. If today you've come to this place seeking as a guest, and you know in your heart that you've not yet trusted Jesus, don't partake of the elements, for the word of God says you would eat and drink judgment upon yourself. But instead, ask this question. Why am I here? Is it possible that God has brought me to this place to reveal to me these truths this day? This may be the day in which you realize God has come for you. Ask me or Paul, ask someone around you what all this means. If you are eager to know what the word of God says about this son of man, Jesus our Savior. For those who are in Christ today, friends, as you partake of the elements feast. You are doing what God has called you to do. It is a blessing. It is a means of grace. Pray with me. Father in heaven, for any who are here that don't know you, I pray that you would do the illuminating work in their heart and mind right now. Friends, simply pray to Jesus. Confess your sins. Ask him to save you, to be the savior of your life. Lord, for all who are already in Christ, we pray that this would be a moment in our life that makes us more and more like you. That you would use us to go forth from this place proclaiming the good news of Christ. As Darius did, he couldn't help himself because of what he had seen. Father, what we have seen in your scriptures is far greater than what he saw. Make that true to our lives even now, Lord, as we partake of these elements. In Jesus' name, amen.